Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author Frankie Page. Frankie, welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. I am looking forward to chatting with you because you write a little bit of different genres here and little genres there. And so that to me, it's like, ooh, the more the merrier. But why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Yeah. um, So writing, I honestly will say, has been for about ever. Um, (laughs) I recently just moved and I found a whole bunch of stories and things that I wrote as young as probably late elementary school, early junior high. But publishing my first novel was published in December of 2020. Yep, 2020. Prior to that, though, it's funny. I actually, a lot of my writing and focus had been on screenplay writing. And I went to school and I did a fine arts major in creative writing with my capstone project in screenplay writing. Hmm. So... That was my original start into it all. I really wanted to be like, I wanted to write like the next crazy zombie movie series. <laughs> that was really my goal. Got it. Which is some probably where you get your love of PNR, right? <laughs> exactly. I have, I have like two very strong facets between, you know, loving like those classic lifetime romance movies and zombie and horror movies growing up that I need to be able to state both of those <laughs> outlets. <laughs> sometimes yeah. together at the same time yeah no i the one of the first time like if anybody ever asked hey so i've never listened to paranormal romance before what do you suggest there's actually a series by denica dark called the seven series and the first book and even in the rest of them as well but specifically the first book reads like a contemporary romance that just happens to have shifters that are wolf shifters you know as a pack it just happens you don't even realize that that's what you're reading until it's revealed in a, a few chapters later. So it's con- f- flat out contemporary until, so that's why I recommend that one. So it's not one of those. And in a war where aliens and fairies are at war, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> you're going, nah, 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 my cup of tea. Um, especially for those that have never read one before or listened to it. That's why I recommend that one. But yeah, I mean, it can be done for sure. Um, for your PNR, do you have specific like shifters, vampires, zombies. What do you what do you like? Um, so right now I have angels and demons. Oh, really? Um within this world, there's also magic. So I have a a book planned as a spin-off of the series who happens to be a magic user. And then I also have um within this world that'll um I basically am building one paranormal world. So all my paranormal books will be based in this yep with those rules um so i also do have a shifter one in progress that Mm -hmm. will be more of like a uh, shifter mc dynamic where they are hunting down rogue wolves okay and uh then i also have um another one within this world about uh, a reaper and a human Mm -hmm. who are in love so oh I, I definitely Intrigued. touch different aspects in, in my book. I, I don't have a book for them, but I even have in there, for example, like necromancers and, you know, several different, you know, paranormal creatures and elements. And something for everybody that loves that world, but it may not be specifically into one particular person kind of a thing. Perfect. Exactly. And <laughs> except for later in the series, I mean, a lot of it's also to, I would say a little bit tamer paranormal, like, they're in the real world. You know, they're they're in our world. It's just happens to have angels and demons in it. Yeah. It's not overran or anything. Yeah, it's it's, it's still semi a secret. People may not know. A lot of people probably don't know about it, which I think is a lot of the more basic back in the day kind of PNR where, you know, they were low key and no one knows. Exactly. We can't tell anybody they have to be killed. 
but then I, she I, finds I, out and oh my god I love her <laughs> exactly and and it's nice and I think it's fun I feel like also too as a reader it kind of brings you more into it like you know here I am in my normal world and then one day I wake up and find out about this entire you know alternate reality that exists around me that yeah. I was completely blind to right my asshole boss is actually just an asshole because he's the alpha of the pack and he's having <laughs> issues with the ter- you know the territory being trying you know yeah totally get it <laughs> yeah I think it for me too I, I prefer it sometimes it's like that because like oh, okay maybe this is more possible versus you know different worlds and stuff like that but then again I'm a, I'm a lover of fantasy and basically I'm a lover of books I am with you there player. I've read some very like highly built fantasy you know where it's overrun with different alien species who are breeding and you know the human is basically the the meat kebab it, mm-hmm. and and I love those it's just it's for me I'm a total mood reader so you know sometimes I need it to be as dark twisted messed up and beyond human possible belief as you know possibly can get or other times I need it to be sweeter funny you know heartwarming yeah depends <laughs> yeah of course that's definitely the same thing I think many of us are mood readers even before we realized that that was such a thing and then depending on what we want that's why sometimes we even skip around on or binge watch something on Netflix or any another streamers you know out there exactly so when it comes to your contemporary romance do you write in any particular tropes or any kind of like you know small town what, what's your contemporaries look like So I have my more family series that is a small town contemporary family saga series. So each book focuses on a more sibling and them finding their happily ever after the sub tropes switch between the books. So the first book was a small town second chance brother's best friend slash foster brother situation. Mm -hmm. Then the second book was small town grumpy boss accidental pregnancy. And the third and my most recent release was Small Town Enemies to Lover, Slight Force Proximity Romance. There's a few other tropes in there, too. Um, Actually, I think one of my reviews specifically said that they've never seen so many tropes so expertly weaved into a single book. So it hits a few different areas. Yeah, years ago, it used to be all about the genre, the genre, the genre. And within the past maybe two or three, yeah, about two and a half oh, since COVID, it seems. So two and a half years, a lot of people are more about the, the tropes. And I personally feel that some of the tropes can be a little bit like spoilers, like that, you know, unexpected pregnancy that mm-hmm. usually for me was always like, oh, my God, she's pregnant. But now I'm like, OK, yeah, she's going to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where I like my most recent release. I haven't shared all the tropes on it and let people discover it because one of them is a surprise trope that I didn't want to spoil because, you know, it's the third book. So you've already seen these characters for two books. You, mm-hmm. you already knew they were going to be enemies to lover and that eventually something was going to happen between them. Like it, it was so clear in the other two books, but how they got to be the enemies and what happened, you know, that was all a, a big mystery. And so yeah, yeah I could yeah. limited my tropes on that one for what I advertised. So that way people didn't get a spoiler for a story that I know quite a few people were really excited to finally read. Yeah, I just, um, a new book was announced by a writing duel and they shared the blurb and I'm going, dude, you just told me the entire story. I, so this is, I will admit my writing journey. The one thing I hate writing is blurbs and it's not because I can't think of what to write. Well, I guess it's a little bit of that. It's because I don't want to write anything because I am very much, I don't want to know anything really about the book, maybe just a general idea of what kind of experience I'm going to get into, but I don't want to know the whole setup. I want to, if I'm going to read your book, I'm going to enjoy it. So I've been really getting into like short and sweet blurbs. Um, There was a book I read recently where the blurb was pretty short and it was written in a first person point of view, which I really loved, but it was the, the tone of the character in that blurb who barely told me anything about the book, just gave it a really good general setup, but his tone and attitude in that blurb, I'm like, if the book has as half as much personality as this blurb does, I know I'm going to love it. And I read it strictly for that reason. 
Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I please include trigger warnings, whether it's a dark romance or even a contemporary, if there's a trigger needs to be discussed. I want to know that definitely always include that stuff in the blurb inclusive of the audiobook in case, um, you know, when it comes down to the audio samples or anything like that. So people are aware of it because that's a different conversation, Exactly. but, but the blurbs are supposed to be giving me a general idea. And there's been some, some authors will write these long ass thesis <laughs> statements <laughs> or emails to each other as you know with, as they were the characters but i'm going dude no i just need to know that she's a small town girl they were you know they were sweethearts in high school but something happened and he had to leave um and then there's a family emergency and she comes back yep that's and, it. and that's really it yeah that's all you need i try to keep all my blurbs to like one to two paragraphs max and I try except for I guess my paranormal book that one does have a third like a split there's like a kind of catchy top line that's Mm -hmm. in first person and then the rest of it's like a third person general point of view but I feel like given the context of the book it was really hard to write that one in first person but like all my other ones they're like a first person snippet that really more sets up the story and gives a brief idea of what to expect without getting into getting into the weeds because you know I don't want to read it if it's longer than two paragraphs I'm like uh I'm already bored yeah that's you but also if you're telling me the entire story like I I was like kind of curious knowing this was a second book in the series I wasn't a huge fan of the first one but sometimes you never know you gotta get your groove in right in the series yep and then the blurb came out and I'm going you just told me the entire journey of these characters dude and I, and then I would say second to that, my least favorite is then the reviews that are nothing but an even longer blurb oh and my God, summary yes. of the book. I just want to know when, because I do occasionally read reviews. If I'm on the fence about a book, I kind of want to get, in a, especially if it's a dark, because I really like dark, dark books and some twisted stuff. So a lot of times I'm looking for one star reviews that tell me how bad the book was, because then I'm probably <laughs> going to read it. But the ones that I get into, I swear, even good one star, five star, you know, they're the blurb just rewritten even longer with more analysis. I'm like, I just want you to tell me, was it steamy? Was there lots of sex? You know, how was the banter, the chemistry? I don't want to know the story. I've already got a blurb to tell me about the story. I just want to know how steamy and dirty it is. It's funny too, because that's also been a a trend with the reviewers. And I'm like, and then when it comes down to the part of the review, so they they reiterate the the blurb in their semi-own words, literally sometimes just changing a sentence structure here and there. So I'm like, you didn't try that hard, did you? (laughs) And, And then they're like, and it was really, really good. Chapter 24, oh my God, and done. I'm like, I know you were asked, you probably got an arc. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a transparency that you got an arc and you're cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. So reviewers, definitely give us a quick note of, hey, this romantic comedy. So we know what genre it is. You know, ha- you know, hero, blah, 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 heroine, blah, blah, blah. It was a good story. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? What interested you in the characters? How much steamy and, you know, smut is in it? Because there's, again, two camps. I always say when it comes down to readers and romance, those that are more into the plot and the character development and the storyline and everything like that, that then happens to have the smut. And they're like, how, how steamy is it? And that's like a third or fourth down the line question. Whereas some others are, how hot is it? You know, how turned <laughs> on am I going to be? And yeah, there was a good story, right? Okay. And then in the middle is everybody else that kind of fits into this uh, lovely diagram. And either one of them, whichever bank, uh, camp you're in, is okay. But mm-hmm. those reviews definitely need to be, I think we need to start working on some of those because reiterating the blurb does not constitute an, a, a review. No, it really doesn't. And I mean, like I said, the review is you, you know, your opinion. Like I leave a lot of reviews, you know, author, I I know how important they are. So when I read a book, I I leave a review and it doesn't even need to be that crazy. Like you said, this is a fun romantic comedy. Had me laughing out loud. The banter between the characters was great. The steam was off the charts. Love these two. I strongly recommend reading. That's it. You know, you don't have to to spend too much time on it because as as me as the personal reader i'm reading reviews those are the ones i'm reading and like i said except for the one stars the one stars is kind of the only ones i accept with the longer because usually they're rants 
that are complaining. And so I will sometimes read those. Cause like I said, that will usually sell me even more to read a book occasionally. I will go to the one review, the one star reviews and the two ones when I see a lot of five star reviews. Yep. And that's because I'm going, you either work for the author or you are in their arc team and want to stay in their arc team. Because there are also some people out there that give love to blow smoke up the author's ass and that of the narrator too sometimes that everything they read is a five-star review and i'm going no impossible <laughs> there's got to be something more to it and that's where when i see those i'm going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay back into the one star and what is it about <laughs> that they may not have like and then i'm seeing you know something like maybe lack of plots uh storyline was not consistent there's a lot of jumping or edits too if it wasn't there kind of stuff and i'm going oh okay so they were yep. more into the sexy times than the actual storyline or vice versa. So yeah, there's yeah. there's so much to find in those one to two star reviews. I, I literally found my favorite book ever because of one star review. Wow. Okay. It, just literally, uh, it was, it was, you know, someone who the, the author had a lot of trigger warnings. So the person who started this book shouldn't have read it. It was already clear, like the, the trigger warnings were very explicit. It explained very well what to expect. So no fault on the author, but the, the reviewer, they were upset because the first time for the, the female, her first sexual experience was, let's just say, very less than pleasant. And mm-hmm. yep, I read that and I'm like, one click sold at this point. Like the blurb, I was kind of iffy on, like it sounded good, but it just wasn't what I was feeling. And then I read that one star review and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sold now. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's where I always say that one of the things I love about romance is there's something for everybody and anybody. Exactly. Yeah. And also that, and that's also where I'm, where I was saying, but the the triggers is important to include and that the reader. So it's, it's the responsibility of the author to include the triggers and, and make sure that we are aware of them. So we feel safe in their house of books, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, but it's also the responsibility of the listener and the reader to acknowledge those triggers. And if anything may goes, Mm-mm, then don't read it. Don't think that you're going, maybe they were on the team or, and they were erring on the side of caution of potentially including it, but it doesn't really include that trigger. No, assume that it's a full blown on scene that has that trigger on it. Exactly. And, and don't, because then your review is going to be like, it was a one star. I didn't like it. And it was all about the triggers. And I'm going, but you read the blurb, right? Cause it had the trigger warnings on it, girl. Yeah. I mean, even in my contemporary, I have trigger warnings. I don't, I don't go into in the, the contemporary, you know, so far, nothing has happened specifically, but some of the people in my stories have some incidents from their past that are discussed. And, and I know for some people that can be, even if it's not explicitly shown in a book, just yep. even talking about it can mm-hmm. trigger some individuals. So yeah, even in something as light as my contemporary, I have a trigger warning because if some if a topic is super sensitive to you, then I would prefer you not to read the book. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know I don't want to to cause any issues for you. No. And and to me, it's all about the consent and the safety of the of the reader and the listener. I always feel like when you have a book, you kind of are inviting me to your house, which is kind of like why I, I use that analogy. And you're welcoming me into your world. And I need to feel safe in order to enjoy it. And, and you know what? And I love that. It That is a great analogy because it really is. I'm, I'm inviting you into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's not and, always a safe place. No. And, and that's okay. If I know that I'm going to go to a house party, I can mentally prepare for that. <laughs> you know, if I know that I'm going to be going to a gala, I can mentally prepare for that. If I know that I'm going into a barbecue and, you know, swimwear shorts and all this other fun stuff is going to happen again, I can go appropriately. Um, and, but that's why I use that analogy is because I am trusting you to keep me safe as the author. Well, yeah. You don't want to, you know, it's a crappy friend if they invite you for a party and don't tell you it's a costume party and you show up as the only one not dressed for the occasion. Like, yes. Or, or the opposite as we found in some books. Yeah. They try to humiliate you and tell you it's a theme. Then you're like, oh, good. Cause you love cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's like oh no wrong idea darling you know <laughs> and you're going they're assholes as you throw the book across the room <laughs> yeah so with writing both uh you know pnrs and contemporaries and any and all the other stuff that you have down the pipeline 
where do you get your ideas for these stories? Um, honestly, it's, it's just things that come to me, like the, the smallest things spark an idea and, and I just go with it. Like it, it's, you know, it's this tiny little spark and then I just keep building on it. I would say that I honestly somehow get characters in my head that just, I don't know, it, like, you know, like my, my paranormal romance, I was sitting on a conference call with, with work. So it wasn't even like anything inspirational. <laughs> I was just sitting on a conference call for my full-time job. And I don't know, I think someone even just made the comment, like, you know, something about selling their soul. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be to write a story about a woman <laughs> selling her soul and falling in love with that demon? And then immediately is when I was done with my shift, I sat down and wrote the first draft over that weekend to an entire book because it was just this idea that kept rolling from there. Mm-hmm. The moments when the day job can be good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, excuse me, guys, I, I need to get going. I have, you know, pick up my daughter from school and then, you know, log <laughs> off and start writing. But, you know, it, it, it really was. It was, you know, nothing super crazy. Even my my very first book, Forevermore, that one, um, I, my favorite trope is brother's best friend, especially older brother's best friend. I'm I'm an, pretty much an only child. I have two stepsisters, but they came in when I was in my teens. So we didn't grow up together. So really an only child. So I really romanticized that whole sibling thing, especially the big protective older brother and his hot friends. So I love that. That's like my favorite fantasy. And I don't care. I will read any book in that trope, light, dark, doesn't matter. You usually have me one click with that trope. And I live in Minnesota. I I grew up and spent a lot of times in small towns. So I was like, you know, how great would it be to write a brother's best friend romance? And then, you know, oh, I could base it in Minnesota, small town. I know Minnesota, small towns. And and then I was like, you know, I've read quite a few family series and I really love those. I think it's a great way to continue telling a character's story long after it's done. So because yeah, you get those little updates in the other glimpses. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it's fun without having to beat their story with a dead horse. Like you can have them there. You can show character growth and development without really having to talk about that character too much anymore. So, yep, that was just all it was, was me saying I want to publish a book and I love this trope. And I went from there. <laughs> yeah as an older sibling I don't get the luxury of having that older brother my younger brother though sometimes who's only younger by two years will swear he's older um <laughs> especially when it came down to the protectiveness he would kick ass if anybody I mean he would say you're a dumbass and I'm like what but someone else said I was a dumbass oh <gasps> they were in trouble and he would kick ass but yeah that whole bigger brother thing is definitely something I think that we all kind of have like the <sighs> moments on from a from a reader and listener perspective because it's a little bit of like it's not allowed and I like, but what if they know who cares <laughs> exactly and it's so great and that was and even what's great too is like throwing parts of my life into the book like some of my experiences for example um I have this novella that's a spinoff of my more family series that introduces another family and it's the Murphy brothers and but the spinoff doesn't star one of the murphy brothers yet it's just in their bar it's you know patrons but the the girl is a girl who grew up in this neighborhood so kind of you know like me and i didn't have any siblings but i had a lot of boys in that neighborhood who were friends and it was that same concept like they all looked out for me like i was their little sister like i didn't have brothers but they all took care of me and if any guy did anything looked at me funny i mean their ass was getting beaten it didn't matter and it wasn't a jealousy or you know sexual interest it was just strictly they knew I had no one else and then you know like we were a really tight click neighborhood so we all looked out for each other and you know played on the streets together and if anyone was ever in trouble we always had each other's back yeah so it was I like put, almost like an adopted family of sorts exactly we we're just a bunch yeah. of misfit kids you know playing <laughs> in the west end with no parents you know from sun up to sundown like that that was our childhood and so I put a lot of that element into that story building because you know, that was, that was more true for me compared to, you know, the big family sibling. That's more of my fantasy. Yeah. Now I had a, a group of friends like that, that were also a, a little bit older and then a, just, well, they were like the older, older brothers of my friends and then the older brothers, uh, friends, kind of a thing like that. And yeah, they were protected too. And I'm like, dude, stop it. Girls got a date. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're not all assholes. Oh, I know them. I don't care. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how they treat me. <laughs> I know I'm in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or funny, years later, you find out that they had a crush on you and they didn't say shit. And you're going, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that information would have been totally helpful. You it know? would have been nice back then. And now, like, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are always kind of fun stories and, and one can relate in similar aspects and stuff like that. But yeah, no, those are all fun. Looking forward to those when they come out and then catching up with them. I also like it when there's a series within families or a group of friends. And because I sometimes feel that authors, in order to placate, make the, the listeners and the readers happy, that, you know, they the happily ever after has to be. And then they got married and had a child. You know, all open women, but they just met. <laughs> um, and and in books like this, they they ended up together, and you know, in the first book, and they're dating, and they're like officially boyfriend and girlfriend, so they got their happily ever after. By the third or fourth book, now they're engaged because, and you learn this because of the uh, through the eyes of the different characters, and then you know, the brides, the maid of honor, and the best man are enemies, and now they're getting married. And you're going, you know, and, you know, that first couple from that first book is now getting married. And then we're going, oh, okay, cool. And then yep, and I love that. Yeah. It's so great to, to have that. And yeah, and, and it is hard because, I mean, yeah, a lot of people want that happily ever after in the end of your book. And, and sometimes I squeeze that in with an epilogue, you know, so that way I can just skip ahead. But it's nice watching that happen. But then at the same time, you know, as a writer, I don't like to write like a whole bunch of fluff. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to try and write five years into the future but this is a great way to do it with giving you a whole bunch of other stories yeah but also everybody's happily ever after looks differently not everybody gets married not everybody has kids not everybody you know can have kids or how they have the kids is different and i think that we're now growing and realizing that a lot of these topics are no longer taboo and so the the readers are really looking forward to yes we want to know what the happily ever after is but we don't necessarily have to end it in a wedding with kids Nope. And I, and um, actually funny enough, I have two books that I do think they end with engagement, you know, mm -hmm. but it's not even like one of them isn't, you know, like all hearts and romance engagement. It's, it's just two people who, you know, really never really thought of themselves commitment type and, they're kind of like, well, you know, why can't we get married? Like, why not just fly off to Vegas and let's just get married? Like, who cares? Like, we can go have fun. And, and you know, and that's nice, though. Like, it, it yeah. doesn't always have to be that way. But it was it was definitely a challenge to write at first because, you know, I while I'm completely for it, like, you know, they don't have to get married. Just being together is a happily ever after. But with the first draft of it and I wrote it I was like oh the guy sounds so weak and the girl sounds like such a bitch and and I'm like I need to completely change this and and I ended up getting the dynamic right but at first it was um it was a tough one to bite you know do because you know I I was working with a flawed female character and I feel like when you you have one of those you have to really walk a very careful line because I've found that readers don't forgive that flawed female as oh, easily no. as they do the male that the guy can do a million things wrong but that yes. flawed female all of her mistakes they're like "Ooh, you know can we forgive her and i'm like she didn't even do anything that bad she didn't cheat or anything she just had a really bad life and low self-esteem and she made a couple bad choices you know mm -hmm. like but or she's but, reacting to him being an asshole because he's the one that did all the things <laughs> in this scenario um the guy was innocent he, he was he was you know just a casualty of it but she she just basically had a really shit dad and yeah. low self-esteem and was constantly being verbally abused and she saw you know this guy as this perfect everything and herself is is trash and she just could never see herself being good enough for her. So, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, but at the same time, while she's flawed, I wouldn't say that she did anything wrong either. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. We all have insecurities and we all have that fight at times with someone that exactly. if we would just had the conversation versus just going and walking away for 10 years and coming back and understanding, oh, it was just a mistake. <laughs> well, and you know, that's also the thing too. Characters need time for growth. You know, they were when, you know, sometimes th these things happen when they're young. 
And at that time, even if, you know, they would have had the conversation, you know, they hadn't grown yet. So there's that self-doubt's going to be there. They need time to grow and develop and realize, you know what, I'm not what this person says, or I'm more than this. And, you know, that sometimes those happily ever afters aren't meant to happen mm-hmm. right away. You know, yes. not it's not common or really, I think, that smart to meet your your the love of your life when you're 16. I mean, some people really does work out, but for a lot of people, that's like a death sentence to your relationship because you're both young, you're both naive, you haven't really experienced the world. And, you know, it's when you finally get older and start living it, you realize you're not even that person you were when you were 16 and you've grown apart and now you feel guilty about it. And that's not fair to either party. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And thanks for, and, and, and that's a good point that you made about how readers and listeners tend to be extremely forgiven, forgiving um, of the hero, but man, they give no slack and are so harsh for the heroine that a lot of authors are starting to have that conversation with them and saying, um, no, that's not cool. And even, exactly. and, and even readers are starting to be like, no, we can't continue to do this because we then also the review sometimes will reflect that. And it's like, well, there was a reason why she was being so cautious or there was a reason why she was not, not trusting and that may not be discussed versus the, oh, she's such a bitch. He, on the other hand, was just perfect and dreamy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've literally read books where um, I swear the, the guy could have done anything short of killing her puppy. Because I feel like killing the puppy is like a hard no on pretty much everyone's scale. But he could have, you know, killed like a, a thousand people. And she'd forgive him. The readers would forgive him because he did something sweet. But the the girl just is a bitch once, has a bad day. It's like, ooh, you know, I don't really like her. She's not good enough for him. It's like, have you ever looked at yourself? Do you know how many days I'm I'm a total, you know, bitch to my husband for no reason? He didn't do anything but look at me funny. And and he forgives me and it's great i'm not a bad person we just all have days yeah yeah. or sometimes even then when they set a boundary that it's not a huge boundary or anything that should be like that should have been a given of a boundary but -hmm. because of where the the male character is he's not seeing it and now she is looked at as if it's all her fault that he's not you know that he's not happy or that they broke up and i'm like no, he he needed to grow. She did correct by setting that boundary for herself because that's what she needed and wanted, and it's okay. But yeah, readers and review and listeners are way too harsh um, on the heroine and way too lenient sometimes on the heroes. And that also goes for the narrators too. They're all about the male narrators and the like. Yeah, and the female was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what's funny, and it's on that, and I'm totally opposite. I female narrators i'm like oh okay she sounds great she's a lot of the male narrators i've had to i've been like um no this is not what i heard in my head when i first read this book like you're not spitting it i think i'm way more critical of the male narrators yeah me too and maybe it's because i watch a lot of anime and i'm in love with so many like male voice actors from these animes that i have this really high standard in my head for like that male voice acting i don't know no yeah but even the female voice actors that are in anime have such a range where they can be like oh amber lee connors oh i'm so in love with her uh you know her range is just phenomenal like okay how can you be the 13 year old happy-go-lucky oh my god everything's so cool and then the evil you know you know woman and that is has that bit of that sultry but you know she's evil because of that deeper voice in the animation kind of a thing Yes, I, I, Chris Sabat is another really diverse one. I love li- all his characters, but there, you know, he can play so many different ones and the different tones. There's a, there's a few others too that I'm like, I love these guys. You're so great. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm when it comes down to the narration and, and the job and the work and, and how they do it, I'm very particular more so I think on, on the, the males than I am uh, on the females because there's a lot of more things to it, especially when it's done in dual point of view where the male's reading all the POV of the of the male character and the uh, femme is reading all the POV of the femme. It's, you know, the range is different. I think late, uh, women and can go a little bit deeper in their range and tones and still, okay, yeah, that's the dude talking. But a lot of the guys, they already have a deep voice. They can't go mm-hmm. too, too high either. And some of them will, will 
try to emulate more of a woman and all of a sudden they're all like valley girls and i'm like nope we do not talk like that <laughs> yeah that's uh that's always a great one but i feel like i we do it too because i what was i was i was doing the live for my recent release and i was reading the chapter and it was in the male's point of view and everyone's like do a deep voice do a deep voice and and i did like that what a quote-unquote stereotypical male voice is and i was like yeah that's pretty much the same thing I feel like men do with all the women <laughs> too. Yeah. But I think also that's where it would differ is because you're, you're not a narrator and you no, haven't no, taken any classes. Yeah. But again, that that's a good point too, is because the, the, the need to, to have some experience and some, you know, are God given talents and they pick it up out of nowhere. And it's like, dude, you just started and they're fantastic. Or, and, but they continue the journey of learning, which I always think is important. And others, have, you know, took webinars, coaching, classes, film lengths from anything from acting to accents to even how to do the different characters when you do have a a lower voice rate, you you know, register and how to make it different and all that fun stuff. And so that's also where hiring a narrator that has those experiences are going to help sell the book. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I wouldn't believe like um, James, like not voice actor. Well, maybe it's on some uh, James Masters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I remember being so shocked. I looked it up and found out that, you know, he's from Texas. He just studied abroad and he just really mastered an accent. Yes. All the time that I was watching Buffy, I was going, he's British, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you find I was like, no, not all. Or the same thing with like Walking Dead. I mean, there were so many prominent cast members that were English that developed Southern accents to work on the show and it's like oh that's really crazy nowadays you can't even trust what character they're playing no because you you, they could be completely southern bell but pull off this expert english accent that you would never imagine yeah or or the opposite they're british and like i didn't know the the yeah and i can't remember his name but the guy that played eddie in stranger things he's actually british i did not know that Yes, that is super. No, I would never have even guessed to watch no, the show. Me neither. Um, I was like, because I never. I sometimes there's certain words, and and that's also where editing comes into play, just like in audiobooks. That, but there's sometimes that thing that just still stick through, and you're going, mm, did I hear an accent? Maybe there was a word in a vowel or something there, but nothing on, on him as uh, from that perspective. But the same thing happens with bands, like in, in singers. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, why does he have an accent when he's in the interview but not in the song (laughs) it it definitely happens for example i would say the one time in buffy where i noticed that james masters wasn't english was when he was singing and that um you know one more time with feeling when he sung that song you didn't get like that classic english you know tone in his voice that i've heard with you know other english bands and stuff Still great song, but you know, you could just hear it more there that he he didn't have didn't have that accent naturally. Yeah. Not that any of us really cared though, right? No, I don't care. I still love the song and that <laughs> whole episode. Yeah. The whole episode is just great. I watch it just by itself and I have the soundtrack. So no fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love fan girl. You know, he's uh he's really good. There's a lot of again when it comes down to the accent work, less is more how to go about it, depending on where the character is. You don't want to overdo it because otherwise there's going to be a lucky charm effect to it. You know, and I kind of tend to always use that as an example because that is such a characterization of Irish, you know, the lucky oh, charms yeah. character. And I'm going, yeah, no, I can I don't think I could ever listen to a book that is that long. I mean, like, that has that kind of tone and voice and accents. I'm like, I can't cap that. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But you are going to be attending the Allure convention in September. Yeah. And is this your first convention? Not my first convention. Nope. Okay. But your first one that has specifically to do with audiobook. Yes. And I'm very much an audiobook virgin. Mm. Because none of your books are yet in audio, right? No, they're not. It's something I've been looking into, but I haven't done yet. That's why it's funny when I got the email asking if I'd be interested in attending Allure, I was like, you realize I have no audiobooks, right? <laughs> like, I, I see there's this big audiobook theme and I have none. And 
they were back like, well, yes, we see that, but we want to convert you to our side. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm in. I, I'll come. We have more. cookies. <laughs> I'm like, this is perfect. This is great. I mean, I, and and I when I say the audiobook version, I even mean listening. I've I've tried to I've listened to maybe one full audiobook. I've tried listening to a couple because my full time job, my cousin, she's like this huge audiobook listener because she listens all day while she's working, and I've tried to do that. It's just I you know, haven't, I found a couple that I really like, but I haven't found too many yet, but you know, I was like, okay, I'll just read and stuff, but I've been getting more into it because lately a lot of my self-editing, I hate that it's a robo voice, but I've been doing a lot of the read out loud with my books while self-editing so I can catch more errors. Um, then like, you know, listening to books isn't so bad. I'm starting to get used to this. Maybe I should actually start listening to it with people with talent, not, you know, Microsoft Word. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, you'll see a difference, a huge, huge difference between um, human narration and that of AI. And, and that's where, you know, it really the magic happens is that how, you know, the, the human being can narrate a book. But yeah, no, we'll offline can I'll get some in, in, information from you as far as what you have been listening to and what do you like? Because that's the other thing, too. There's some listeners that love an audiobook. And it's not just a genre so much, too, but it's who the narrators are as well. And if mm-hmm. there's accent or not. And so we can get into that offline and I can provide you with a list of really good books that are in audio for you to check out. But having no current audiobooks and going to an event that is specifically for audiobooks, what are you kind of looking forward to as an attendee? Because this is not just a signing for fans. There's going to be a lot of panels and you know workshops and stuff like that for authors and even narrators that are going to be there. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to that maybe other authors can, you know, next time around or, or, or can still join that can be in as attendees as well? What are you looking forward to for this convention? Well, besides the prohibition party and the fire and ice ball, <laughs> um, um, I am really looking forward to the workshops on Friday. Um, that was one of the first things that I saw with the tickets. And I was like, oh, this would be a great opportunity to learn more about audiobooks. You know, I, I try to look to read online and, you know, talk in author groups and get advice from people who do who have done audiobooks, but you know, the, the advice sometimes is just so all over the spectrum. You know, you have one person telling you how simple and easy it is to do for free or, you know, like not free, but like with a royalty share program. And then you have someone else telling you not to do that. That's the worst thing ever. You need to pay six grand to have one developed. Otherwise you'll never make money. And, you know, it's, it's all these really strong really unvalidated opinions, you know, they're just kind of all around there. So actually hearing stuff from industry experts, you know, authors who have had a lot of audiobooks made, um, who narrators who make them meaning being able to meet producers. I'm really excited for that because I like working with people that I know, or, you know, have some sort of built relationship beyond just the internet, you know? It's, yeah. <laughs> and so many times you get, you know, kind of like you you get sold a bag of goods that isn't there or maybe they're they don't have the most glamorous site or setup but they're they're truly experts they just put all their energy into their craft so you know it's the same thing with books you have book covers that look absolutely gorgeous and then you get inside and you're like that was nowhere near as gorgeous as that book cover like that's a hot mess in here or you find a book cover that you're kind of like that looks that looks kind of, you know, crazy. And then you get a sign, you're like, this is the most beautifully written thing I've ever read. Like, you know, so that whole don't judge a book by its cover situation is where I think being able to meet people in person and ask real questions and in person and get that experience. I think that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's a lovely community that we we live in where everybody's always willing to help. But unfortunately, <sighs> everybody knows something and then like not everybody's an expert and having the conversations with those that are actually in the industry versus those that are just lover of books and may have some a little bit of experience or are so brand new to it that that one experience that they had is not the everything kind of a thing and there's such a variety of you know situations where it could have been years ago and they're still talking about that one bad experience that they had that cost them 10 million dollars to produce an audiobook and you know they've never made a dime on it but like, have you talked to anybody recently that's in the industry that can provide you with some guidelines? So this convention, I think, is going to be great for a lot of authors that 
are thinking about it and want to learn more or know that they want to do it and they just need some help with how to go about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like I just need that opportunity to talk to someone and have someone really dumb it down for me because <laughs> I know nothing. And 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 while the reading's been great, it's, you know, it's still one of those things like I have these lingering questions in my mind that would be great just to say like, all right, well, what about this? Or how does this work? Just, you know, get that ability without having to to send an email or, you know, do lots of back and forth. And oh yeah. Like I said, and I'm a really good people reader. So I kind of like that ability to meet some people from the industry and say, like, you know, I can immediately feel that we're jiving really well. Like, let's talk more. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something about meeting in person. And for a lot of individuals, this is going to be their first events ever or their first events since this whole lovely shutdown of the world occurred. I know I need to remind myself that I need to people again. I haven't, done a con- <laughs> I haven't done a convention in about two and a half years, but I have been peopling more and more often. And I do this, so at least I get this experience. But to be able to hang out with you in person and be like, girl, did you listen to this voice? Come over here, meet so-and-so. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, that, that'll probably be me going around blushing the entire time. Uh, I, I was working with my alpha recently and I was talking to her specifically about... Um, audiobooks and because she really wants my dark paranormal and an audiobook and she was sending me voices of like I think this would be this guy he is so perfect and you know what about him because we were talking about one of the characters and how he has a slight accent but it's not going to be overly it's just it's something slight and trying to find that right voice for him and like an example um of you know like a mannerism and she said to me I'm sitting there you know listening to this eating dinner my cheeks keep blushing I'm like <laughs> this is ridiculous <laughs> oh girl wait until you have to listen to that whole sex scene that you wrote in audio oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I even blush when I read it or listen to it when the computer reads it for me I'm like yeah that got a little dirty <laughs> oh yeah I'm like it's a little good different. thing for headphones or the fact that my office is in the basement and the people don't always hear me yeah yeah, no, there's been many times where people have been in public and something happens and the Bluetooth disconnects and it's all, all of a sudden that one steamy scene is playing for all to hear. And you're going off, off. Oh, my God. Stop, stop, stop. Um, <laughs> but that is something to it think a happens. lot of authors are. Yeah, of course it happens. A lot of authors tend to be like, ugh, about listening to the sex scenes. Uh, and some of them are like, oh, no, I want to hear it. So again, runs the gamut. But I'm glad that oh, you I decided to. Oh, I want to hear it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. change me from blushing during it. <laughs> okay, see, so you're, you're like that. You're, you're the one in between. They're like, no, I want to hear it, but I'm still going to blush. <laughs> yep. Okay, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've decided to go to Allure and get the the information and get some networking done and and meet some of the, you know, other peers of you that are authors and meeting new narrators that are new and can provide you with a lot of help and insight because I think that's important. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. My editor, she's coming with me as my table mate. And yeah, we've been so excited about the entire event. Perfect. Well, getting a little bit to know you better before this lovely event occurs, we're going to do a quick game of two truths and a lie, where you tell us three things about yourself and we got to figure out which one's the lie. So if you're ready. All right, I'm ready. All right. So what are your three things, love? Okay. I once worked as a bingo ball caller. I've visited all 48 continental United States. I'm a two-time mini trunk, mini trunk, mini truck limbo champion. (laughs) All things you do in a small town in Minnesota. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We get bored. No, you guys get creative, okay? You get creative. (laughs) Creative. Hmm. Uh, is the lie that traveled to all the 48 states? Yes, it is. I think I've only probably been to like 24 of them. So oh, half, though. halfway yeah. there. Yeah. Usually that's how the, you, you kind of, the lie always happens where it's similarly, similarly the truth, but a little change in details. So, yeah. All right. So you've been to 24, to, you know, instead of the 48. But um, I haven't really done the West Coast at all. I've been to to California, but I flew there, so I didn't even drive. So I didn't even get the experience to say, like, I drove through, you know, half of that area. So that's about it. Wow. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about this um, two-time 
mini truck thingy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first met my my husband, um, one of the first things I recognized him besides the the whole hot Dickies tattoo, big ears. You know, he had the the gauges and you know pack marbles and stuff. As he had this lowered truck and um and my dad's mechanic i used to work at valvoline and stuff it was like a loop tech so I've, I've always kind of been like a gearhead myself but he's like way beyond me and i got into these trucks and we had this mazda b2200 that he said i could have and i'm like really and he's like yeah so we ended up chopping the top off of it because i wanted it to be a convertible and completely gutted the thing welded the door shut I mean it was it's a like a complete hazard nightmare we completely gutted it out so I had no structure to it um and I did a full air ride suspension on it so it lays completely flat on the ground and I would take it out and like you know drop the end and throw sparks at shows and stuff but this uh limbo they used to do the low rider limbo at mm-hmm. um these car shows and you would have a mix between mini trucks and even just low vehicles you know because you have like these old school jeeps that the windows completely fold down like their windshield and um so many interesting things. anyways yeah because my truck was completely lowered and i cut off the roof <laughs> to it and i halved the windshield eventually um yeah, I would just go to the limbo and I'd slam it to the ground and drag it through the, the finish line. And I won two years in a row. It was wow. really awesome. Yeah, see, I, 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 I love sometimes, like I love seeing the, the low riders and stuff like that. And I'm always like fascinated on the mechanics of it and, you know, the gearheads and all that fun stuff. But I'm also going, oh, but if there's a bump on the road. <laughs> yeah, that my truck, because there was no weight in it, so... And the airbag system and it was, you know, so advanced or like, you know, so high pressure that if I had it completely flat on the ground and filled up my tanks completely and pressed the switch really fast, I could actually jump my whole truck. Mm. So when I was driving, there's no weight and I would have it lifted while driving because you want it, you know, up. You don't want to worry about speed bumps or anything. Um, but if I'd hit like a pothole or too big of a bump, I mean, my truck would start to like jeer to different sides because there was no weight really keeping the truck on the road. It was, it was a death trap. I <laughs> completely and honestly, admit it's why when, um, I had my daughter, I'm like, okay, I love this truck, but it's, it's not for me anymore. It's, you know, I, one, don't want to die driving it now. And my daughter, by the time she's old enough to ever, that I would ever put her in here, this truck is going to be long gone and dead. So I ended up giving it to a a good friend of mine who, you know, loves mini trucks and still uses them and stuff. But my husband still has his, his just wasn't as cool as mine. His was more like fancy. Mine was, (laughs) mine was the death trap. His is all cool and fancy and stuff like that. Like I did all my own body work and Bondo and painting with spray paint in my garage. And it looked really great for a girl who knew nothing and just wanted to tinker around. That's great. No, I, I, yeah, it's one of those things that it makes for a great story when the teen, when the kid is a teenager and they think that you're so not cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I saw my trophies proudly displayed. You know, I, I was very proud of what I did and they're even made out of like car parts and stuff, which is really cool. And, and like I said, my husband and I we're we're talking about other projects, you know, that are more family friendly. Like I think we're going to build a hot rod or sorry, a rat rod. So I'm pretty excited about that. We've talked about getting rid of his truck too, just because we don't really, you know, his is a two seater. So even though his isn't as dangerous as mine, you know, it's that same situation, not until she's older, can she, you know, be in that truck. So um, he did talk about buying me like this, you know, like one of those like Nissan, like SUV type vehicles and slamming that and just making it a really nice mini truck. I'm like, it's not cool though. Like, I mean, it's cool, but it's not, cool yeah yeah so i'm like i would rather i would rather go get a classic car and restore it and have it be like the family fun like i've wanted to get like a classic old school wagon and restore it make it nice but put in like bluetooth radio and you know make it luxurious and start doing road trips across the country in it yeah put seatbelts on them because they didn't have them back then (laughs) exactly as an adult, you realize that as a child, you were riding in a car with no seatbelts and oh, you're going, oh my God. Oh yeah. You know, especially being like 
me growing up, my dad had a pickup. I just rode in the back of that pickup. Oh yeah. That's another <laughs> one. I'm going, what are you doing? No. Yeah. Now my, my parents had a station wagon. I remember, and, you know, classic with the seventies on, you know, the wood panels on the side mm-hmm. and the, 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 the back end that would fold down. And that's where you would have the seats for you to sit in kind of thing. Yeah. No seatbelts. None whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. I'm like, really? <laughs> really jesus yeah it's just you know changes with the times things you know change people adapt they learn um but yeah no that's a cool idea of restoring an old car i love old cars like i always see i'm like damn look at that body and I, same yeah. here especially a muscle car i'm like oh yeah <laughs> but then i also go "Ooh, those parts are expensive <laughs> they don't they make are. them anymore <laughs> Well, we were even looking at like just buying shells now. People want shells with nothing in them for ten, twenty thousand dollars. We're like, oh, yeah, ah, no, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I know. And, and Facebook market does not help at all. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> no. Goodness gracious. Well, on that note, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Yes. So I'm currently finishing up my Dark Paranormal trilogy. Um, Book two is off with the editor right now. And I'm finishing writing book three and that'll go off to the editor in August. Um, I'm planning on actually doing a rapid release with them and having them both out. My goal is, is by the end of October. Um, But I'm never one to sacrifice quality for having it you know, out as quickly as possible. So if we need some more time to make it the best book series possible, then my ultimate goal is just by the end of 2022, but um, planning on releasing those pretty close together. And then um, after that, I'm probably summer of 2023. I have uh, my first Murphy brother book coming out and I know I have a lot of people emailing me asking how long they have to wait for Killian's book so that'll be the next one in that realm and then as any other offer I have a very long work in progress list of, <laughs> of projects I'm working on and um, actually next year I'm, I'm taking a slow on releases just so I can spend more time writing uh, and getting these books done and then releasing more um, but the, the next confirmed book I have coming out with a solid date would be April of 2024. And that's a dark mafia retelling, retelling, like a dark fairy tale, mm-hmm. but I'm doing as a dark mafia retelling of Rapunzel. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm pretty, I, I've had the, the blurb and a lot of that written for a while. So I can't wait to finally sink my teeth into that one. Promise me you're going to have a scene somewhere where she gets the skillet and smacks the hero with it. <laughs> I don't yes. care if that happened in the original or not, but I want to see that. Well, and that's one of the fun <laughs> things about it. I decided to take away the paranormal part of it. So there'll be no magic. So I'm, I'm going with the captive, you know, mm-hmm. lie kidnapped to. kind of a thing. Yeah. Yep. But you know, I was actually planning that it's just a little homage because that's my, Rapunzel or well, Tangled is mine and yeah. my daughter's favorite movie to watch. Mine too. <laughs> so I'm like, I have to at least do the frying pan or good cast iron pan somewhere yeah. in yeah. that book. And it'll make perfect sense, especially because there's no, you know, like magic in this world. And eventually this girl's going to be kidnapped and she's going to mm-hmm. do something. So got to grab something for self-defense. I'm, I'm sorry. Exactly. Know? So I'm, I'm excited for that one. Like, Yay. Um, and it's actually part of a collaboration. So it's not, um, so we're all writing books of different fairy tale, dark retellings. And, you know, the books are individual. They're all of our, our own, but they're just part of the same series. And then I'm doing that collaboration. And then one more that's, um, like a, a sex sells collaboration. And that book will be probably late 2023 or, you know, sometime in 2024, but, um, the theme of that series is basically, you know, some form of, you know, sex worker, slave, you know, women using her body for, for sex and transaction. Okay. You got a little bit of everything there, girl. Like I said, I have so many personalities living within me that require attention. So it's always all over the spectrum. Yeah. Well, we do appreciate that when it becomes the books. So thank you for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you again for being a guest and spending time with me to get to know you. And I'm really looking forward to hanging out with you at Lore when we get there in September in Chicago. 
I'm so excited to like I'm still buying my outfits and looking them up right now. Mm-hmm. So perfect and i will be including all of her social media information so you guys don't have to go hunting for it it will be in the episodes post over at viviana enchantress the books and until next time happy listenings thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon special thanks to nixley zenner carol liebner Brittany robinette leiter michelle bastard brandy schmidt april branson The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Loving Podcast hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. <laughs>